0: I give a huge amount of importance to uh, the subconscious because I've started to teach about songwriting and I'm constantly talking about how you have to prepare your mind to be ready to receive. So that means you have to put the actual effort in to be, to be in an observer and a receiver of whatever messages are being sent to you and it, it could be as little as um, a twitch in your eye or a uh, the sound of a child on the street and it it can once you pay attention to something it can really tell you a huge message in a very in a very condensed space
1: hello and welcome to a life in dublin i'm your host mark and with your permission we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least wallace bird is a musician from ireland currently based in germany her voice and music have captivated audiences globally and it was such an honor to chat to her on this podcast we have a very wide-ranging chat about a lot of different topics ranging from music her life on the road and life in general it was such a pleasure chatting to wallace and i think you'll agree after listening to this conversation about how kind and thoughtful a person she is Thanks so much for your time and attention, guys. Remember, sharing this podcast with a friend, leaving a rating or a review can be so incredibly helpful to us. So we'd appreciate that support if you're willing. But now, here's my chat with Wallace from Ireland. I saw the other day on your your Instagram stories mm-hmm. um, what looked like a technically a bonfire or a, a, a big a big massive fire anyway in a field somewhere. And I was a bit jealous because I love looking into big fires like that and, you know, kind of getting lost in them. Um, what was happening there?
0: Uh, so <clears throat> myself and my pals, we bought a house together. There's six of us bought a house together and uh, it's a farm. And we're learning as we go along that you have to burn some brush. Like the, the um, yeah, like people did the the first natives in, in Australia, they burned brush so that it grows the next year. And you have to mow meadows so that they grow the next year. Um, we've we've been doing experiments, we're in this house for a year, and uh, we've not mowed um, some land and seen what happens to it and it goes dead. So it's uh, very interesting, we're out there like setting fire to all sorts of brush that we have from cleaning up the land basically. So it's uh, we're learning as we go on this big farm. But it was a huge, it was a bonfire.
1: <laughs> it was massive. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we did have a bit of crack with it. And, you know, you have to be super careful because it's dry out there at
2: the mm. moment. Yeah.
0: And, um, in like a month, we're not allowed to burn anything. Yeah. Well, it's burning season now, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you do you have a background in farming? Do you know what you're doing or you're making this up as you go along?
0: Um, I mean, I grew up on uh, my parents, we had like, um, we had geese and goats and we had a horse. So I have some kind of a relationship. I have a a very strong relationship with living in the country for sure, but not really farming or I did, I did a little bit of help with milking cows and shit. And I used to milk my own goat gin, but um, yeah. (laughs) I mean I love animals and I'm from the I was born in the country, so I do love it, but I've spent the last you know twenty years living in cities so was there yeah. something yeah uh, what about yourself are you from are you city or are you farm or
1: yeah um well I was I, I don't really think about this too much, but I guess I spent the first six years of my life not in the countryside but i I was born in Mullingar um yes. And we lived in a house there, which would have been kind of, you know, obviously a bit of a villagey feel to it, quite quiet. And, you know, to what I remember as growing up there, an absolutely enormous back garden that just went on forever. I think it actually wasn't that big, but for me at the time, it was it was perfect. Mm. And then moved to, to Dublin uh, with my parents, uh, obviously, um, when I was about six. So I've lived in Dublin since. Mm-hmm. And I lived in, in various other places, but always have half like myself and, and, and Monica, my partner. Now we talk sometimes about because basically I, I rent uh, here in Dublin, and we often talk about what would happen if you know they decide to sell this house, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And the reality is, to live a kind of life that we want to live, we probably have to move out of Dublin. Um, so the, the thoughts of that are coming into my mind. And like, how would I feel in the countryside? And in my head, it seems great and fantastic. And But maybe, you know, I need the experience to actually get out of my head and see if I really like it or not. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It <clears throat> takes, a, takes a bit of getting used to, all right. Like, um, for example, I, I, I think I had a background in it, so it wasn't such a big jump for But the nearest neighbor is three kilometers away and that's something to think about. And I don't drive and there's these little things. But if the overwhelming feeling is like, it's just actually better for me, I feel better out there, then that kind of answers it for you, maybe.
1: Yeah. Three kilometers is the nearest neighbor. Yeah. That's insane.
0: Yeah. 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 we're, We're in the center of God knows where, you know, and it's real exciting, actually. Because I have a drum kit out there now, and I can just batter
1: it. Yeah, I imagine. Hopefully, <laughs> no, yeah. you're not going to get any complaints. Yeah. And I I love the idea also of of getting a house, buying a property with friends. Yeah, it seems like an innovative solution to a lot of kind of mm, property issues that there are out there. But mm-hmm. just just so I, I'm I'm wearing, I I'm fairly sure, but this is. In because I was talking to Harry Hudson Taylor and to to Kui and I know that you're you're friends with those guys, mm-hmm. but this is in Germany, right, or just outside Berlin, maybe or
0: yeah, it's up um, north of uh, Berlin city. Uh, it's six kilometers from the Polish border, and okay. uh, very small town. Um, and we live like three kilometers away from that town again. You know, mm. so um, I actually I only knew two of the other people so myself and my partner tracy and two other dubs um Mm. we just kind of got to know each other and then six months later they were offering us this group idea and uh the other third couple didn't know them at all and sure they don't know us either but it's just kind of going on faith that um you'll be able to communicate and And then after after all of that stuff, everything's just legal issues to make sure that nobody gets shafted if somebody dies or nobody is footed a huge bill. We are all aware what's happening if somebody does die or if somebody breaks up in the pair or Mm. or do the kids get the inheritance, all this stuff. Mm. These really embarrassing conversations that you, you don't want to have and like finding out have any of us um been arrested and finding out stuff all wow. about ourselves you know um
2: yeah.
0: it's been uh, really cool and I'm just kind of trusting my gut and it's it's been a dream like we sit down in the evenings and and we um tackle jobs together we tackle the bureaucracy together and um and we have the crack in the evening we light a bonfire most Is evenings it? and sing songs it's like it's wow. the life that we I don't know. Yeah, if you have a chance to design it, then I think there's never a wrong time or something to jump in like that.
1: The contract. It it sounds. um, It sounds like the most pragmatic first date you could ever possibly have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you like seafood? Are you allergic to seafood?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's brilliant though. I I love the I love the creativity behind it actually. Um. And and like what you said there, the faith then to be able to follow through with that and to just go for it. And, and there you are. You seem like you're having an absolute dream like dream life. So that's that's brilliant.
0: I think we can trust our gut a lot on that one. What do you think mm. Do you think you'll head out the country or um made a decision in the last five minutes, Mark? That's what I don't.
1: Mean. <laughs> I I I'm I'm kind of torn. Um I would love to live. I would love to live in Dublin, but um uh, not in a very central location. So where you have your little bit like this is a kind of a dream world where you have like a little space or a garden or um these types of things. And also I'd love to not have to rent, but um to be perfectly honest, how realistic that is um to do like um my, uh, Monica, my partner, she set up her own business recently selling sustainable clothing. So, nice. you know, really going to a, a bank with that sort of background, a new business, they'll just basically laugh at you. And uh, mm-hmm. So ideally, I, I'd love to say there, but like, I'd also be open to the idea of being in the countryside. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: My gut tells me actually that we will end up there at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when or how, um, but that I think to a certain extent will be decided for us maybe. Yeah. Um, can you take me back a little bit to uh, the moment where you realized, not that you wanted to be a professional musician, the moment that you realized that you are a professional musician?
0: Huh. Um. God, that's a, well, I started Playing music, it sounds lame now, but um, I was always just playing music with gangs and um, summer groups or, you know, as a kid. And as soon as I was allowed to head out of the house on my own, maybe, I don't know, 15, 16, that's when I started joining bands with the mm. lads down the road kind of thing. And mm. um, one of those turned into a Covers band. Mm. <clears throat> and actually, we were all too young to be in pubs, but we ended up getting booked for a ton of gigs because we were playing very different stuff than most of the other covers bands were playing. Like we were, we were covering Prodigy and other weird songs that other people weren't doing, you know. Um, mm. And uh, we all lying about our age and everything, and having pints while. Being only seventeen and stuff, but um, so I think it was around then when, as far as I knew, I was just heading down to Paul's house with Eugene to uh to like have the crack and rehearse. But then at the end of the day, like um, Eugene put money in our palm, and it was like, "What's that for? What the hell is that?" Um, and it was before that. Before that, I just kind of had to always given buskers money as a kid. Like my mom would put.
2: Mm.
0: a 50 pence piece in your hand or something and tell you go over and give that tin whistle player the money mm.
2: and, um,
0: and I didn't really understand that at the time when I was a kid but I figured oh yeah I suppose I didn't understand the concept of money mm. uh, but that was when I realised oh I can pay for a train ticket to go visit my friend in Meath because I'm from Meath as well, Mullingar mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um so I was like, "Well, my mama let me go out and take a train up, and I got I got the money from this gig to go and do that. So it, for me, it was mm. it was a ticket to do other stuff, yeah, um, and travel. And that was like, I suppose, when those gigs kept happening, and I started having have to make a plan and write in a calendar. That was kind of the start of the end, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it's brought you on a, on a number of adventures since.
0: Yeah, yeah." Oh God, I feel like I've had a couple of lives. Um, I only started like releasing music in two thousand and six, uh, and which is thirty. Wait, how long is that? Six? Oh, Johnny, can't, I can't count. It's many years. Yeah,
1: ago. yeah I'm all, I'm equally uh, rubbish at maths. So yeah, we <laughs> okay. we know the year anyway. Two thousand and six. Somebody else who's listening can can do do the maths on it. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to get a nosebleed now in a minute. If yeah. I I um, but I, I started Fierce Early with releasing stuff. I would I had a tape deck and, uh, you know, it was one of those little boxes. And then you record on and I would do entire albums and bring it to friends. And then mm. they say, could you do one for my friend? And then I'd sing the entire album again into a tape. Wow so this this doesn't work and then I found out about um a four track recorder in which you can duplicate um mm. make an album and then duplicate. so I started doing that and like I've been recording since ever since I'm a kid, you know, I've been fascinated with the machinery of hearing your work come back to you. it's it's almost like um looking into the past or something. I always felt just
1: felt a bit weird but then how how does I mean, I I feel that musicians probably hate getting asked this question, but I'm just so curious about it. And I guess everybody's different too. And maybe there's no one answer to the question, but um what does the lifespan maybe of a song look f- like for you? So how where does it start and how does it evolve?
0: Um I like, in in a really if I look at it in the big picture, I think that the music begins as soon as you begin with music and it just kind of follows you around for the rest of your life Um, and you pick up pieces along the way. Yeah, um, it's about life experience and um, sourcing that experience and putting it into word or sound. And it's from the very moment you begin, for me, since I realized I was an existing human on this earth, I've been writing music. Like I remember mm. being a child sitting in the grass and um, I was definitely under five and <clears throat> I saw the moon and the sun in the sky at the same time and I knew what they were. And I knew that they were planets and I knew that there was grass underneath my feet and it was a mild day and there was wind. And I, be- I began singing about sitting there and existing and and. Um, that it was really nice.
2: Mm, That's I all
0: think. I started singing about. And that moment stuck with me forever. <clears throat> and um, that kind of same excitement still follows me. And I still, I'm just observing. All I'm doing is observing. Um, I miss a lot, of course, because um, I get I get a bit, I spent a lot of time getting bogged down in details and trying to control everything around me in terms of recording and not handing work over and not being a good delegator and stuff in terms of studio. So I've missed missed a lot. I've tried to do a lot of things and then missed the mark on a bunch of stuff. But sure, that's kind of half the. The thing of it. And and again, and then music happens to me in, in dreams. So it's even in the subconscious world, I'll, yeah. I'll wake up and I'll have written an entire life symphony in a dream. Do you know that's happened? And then in the next morning, it's gone. So mm. it's has beyond beyond me and beyond my time that I'm having on this earth. And um, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I don't know where it's taken me, but I know that all I know is that I work on it. I enjoy playing with it and I call it a friend now at this stage. Yeah.
1: How much time do you give to, um, right? without trying to sound too kind of um, farty with this question or whatever, but um, you know, I, my, I, my background is in psychology. So I've always been quite interested in that kind of stuff and, um, you might call this there's so many different words for the same thing right in in life in general you can call it the unconscious the subconscious whatever you, you might say the dream world where you know you're processing that kind of information or there's some there's some form of processing going on that we're not actively aware of yeah you know i can process things now when i'm talking to you and i'm looking at a microphone i can see the table you know our brain is also constructing all of this information around us um but i heard recently another psychologist actually talking about how we, in general, in society these days, we give very little importance and very little time to, um, uh, let's call it an internal reality or an unconscious, what, what's going on outside of our direct awareness and consciousness. Because, you know, I've heard someone describe it like your unconscious is like an elephant and your conscious is like an ant on top of that. So if the two are walking in opposite directions, there's only. It doesn't matter how much effort the ant puts in. Like the unconscious is the is the powerful animal, and I'm wondering how long or how much time you spend or you give importance to those types of things.
0: That is that's lovely. Um, I give a huge amount of importance to uh, the subconscious because. I'm really glad you asked that because I've started to teach about songwriting and I'm constantly talking about how you have to prepare your mind to be ready to receive. Mm. So that means you have to put the actual effort in to be to be in an observer and um, a receiver of whatever messages are being sent to you. And it it could be as little as um, a twitch in your eye or a the sound of a child on the street and it it can once you pay attention to something it can really tell you a huge message in a very in a very condensed space so my whole writing process and my basically my whole existence about is about being a fairy is about being like a little bit above reality i suppose and seeing things how i like to call it is romantically I like to mm. romanticize the all day, every day, um, because it's well. That I think the world gets fairly unsexy if you start um, if you if you forget to imagine and if you forget to um, play and uh, allow yourself to daydream. I think daydreaming is an incredibly powerful tool mm. um, for your. Um, for the, It's like flossing your mind, actually, to allow yourself to go on a long, I like to call them rangent, a rant tangent, to go on like a long thought rangent where mm-hmm. it doesn't end somewhere and you might invent some character of a book or you might process an, an idea that you've been having and just to allow yourself even three minutes of a day just to see a, an idea through. Or to see an imagination through that, I spend a lot. I spend a lot of my time doing that, um. And of course, yeah, like I say, my I've been called a fairy my whole life, and but I don't mind. You know, I don't mind people still like hanging out with me, and I still <laughs> I'm not getting, You know, I hang out with kids a lot.
1: Yeah, um, oh, amazing. Yeah, but how how different is. The imagination that you have now compared to the five-year-old girl who was looking at the sun and the moon and in in at the same time in a field.
0: Hmm. Oh God. I mean, I as an adult, my whole adult well, I suppose ever since I've kind of came into my own skin in a way, I've this I've decided that I'm a positive person and that's just my yeah. default. And I think musically and artistically, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for to see I have a phrase like if I don't laugh, I'll never stop crying. So I love making people laugh. I love seeing the comedy in tragedy. I have a dread fascination. I consume really uh, grim stories about human, what humans have been through. And um, and I enjoy chaos and uh I am fascinated by death as well as living you know but I'm fascinated by death and pain and um struggle and evil people and all the and and mm. dark politics you know and who puppetry and and war games and stuff like this it's really kind of dark stuff that really turns me on mm. but um
1: what is, same- is that is that is that a curiosity um, or an, an interest? How would you define that?
0: Well, um, well it's definitely a curiosity because it's the kind of the first thing I go to if I want to find answers about um, why things are or how to find a solution because I'm um, I find that I'm a solutionist really I need uh, there's always a reason for something or there's a mechanic to how something got to a certain stage and you know, so, um, I was never one for history, but I love just, I believe that history repeats itself. And I'm, you know, this hmm. kind of thing. And that's a curiosity. What was the other one that you said? Is it a curiosity or is it, um,
1: interest? But I, I mean, I guess they're, they're much of the same. Um, they're much of the same thing.
0: I'd spend a lot, I spend a lot of my time, um, going, doing lectures, uh, listening to lectures of um, Michael Sandel, for example, who talks about um, law and um, the modern culture of education with regards to how how it should encompass all people of all backgrounds and stuff like that and how education generally mm. doesn't. And I like studying or I like looking at um, lectures about art and, and education mixed together and things like that. Mm. Um, But it's, yeah, it's those kind of things would be my general interest in life. So that's I suppose that life is a bit darker than it used to be. But I never let my music. um, I never let my music get me down, you know, or I've singing songs where I was on the brink of destruction or that, you know, there's always some solution and reasoning why. And um, I like to see those things through with a, a light at the end of the tunnel in my in my music or in my art or how I go about my life, yeah.
1: Yeah, like listening to your music, I I mean, I'm always reluctant to kind of define it. And I guess she was one of the things I was kind of maybe going to talk to you about. But just from an emotional point of view, I think I have the confidence to say that I, I found it's, it's very like authentically joyous. Um, but I mean that in in the sense that it's authentic and joyous. <laughs> uh, it seems like very truthful. Uh, I don't know what it is, but that maybe that's what comes from your voice. Um, there seems to be like a, a real truth to your voice when when you're listening to your music. And um, I find that very uh, captivating.
0: Oh, cheers, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm on this... Uh, I'm on this little trajectory to just um, see what's happening, and it seems that my I've i always kind of hung on to this this phrase by Oscar Wilde: "Be yourself; everybody else is taken."
1: Mm. And
0: it, it, I don't I don't know maybe it follows me around because of the law of attraction or whatever, but it seems to it seems to work for everybody. Everybody is very individual, and one person can actually change the world. Like, I, I'm not talking about me; I'm just mm. giving an example of. Well, I suppose I'm thinking of politicians, actually, how politicians, one person can actually change a lot, for example. Yeah. And yeah. it touches people in a way that you have no control over.
2: So,
1: yeah, um, absolutely. More Hugely two. so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm always saying to musicians when they're starting. They're like, what do I do? I say, just be yourself. Just explore Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's a ridiculous. Re- it's a really hard thing to do so um like it's a very easy thing to say um hard thing to do i think you have to find the right environment to be able to do it yeah. Um i think it, if i like for example with with this project of the podcast where i started i just decided that if i'm gonna do it i don't have the mental energy to not be myself. Like, there's no way you can have a conversation for an hour and, you know, we've done 70 odd now. Like, it's it's impossible. I'm not, I don't have that. I can't act. I can't try and be somebody else. And if some people, if it's not for some people, then that's okay. And if, you know, other people might like it and, and then that's brilliant. But I've found this environment. I can be myself. If I put myself in a different one, perhaps let's call it a, you know it might be like a corporate job or something like that i might have to start pretending to be another person not truly authentically myself but i think for any person to be themselves it's i don't know some people are brilliant at it i have found it a, a road that i'm i'm trying to to walk on and i'm trying my best to improve at it every day if that mm-hmm. makes sense mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not easy for people, I don't think.
0: No, you're right. You're right, um, because it is it is a road, and you have to make so much headway to come back around and say like, oh, I okay, now I realize that I didn't like that, or yeah. I didn't like that to happen to me. Um, and it's how you treat people as well, and how, that your friends and what they reflect upon you. All these kind of hurdles you have to get through to figure out who the fuck you are in the end or what mm. what matters to you. Um can I ask you a question?
1: Yes yeah. you can. <laughs>
0: what makes you um objectively the happiest? What is a thing that makes you
1: um good question perhaps uh, sharing moments with people
2: uh-huh.
1: um and obviously that could be anything or with anyone it, it could be it could we go into a gig it could be a conversation it could be I, I can I can say that those things give me energy and if I if there's a moment that I shared with a person that you know, I felt that we both enjoyed, then that makes me it gives me energy. Mm-hmm. Um I think that would be my my initial answer. I mean, of course, I could think about that more deeply and and possibly give you more, but just off the top of my head, that's yeah, that would be what I would say. Yeah. Um and, and that I think comes from a little bit when you said talking about thinking about death. Sometimes I also think I don't necessarily think about Death, I think about I tried to picture myself. This might sound about dark, um, but actually I think it's quite healthy to do. I try to picture myself maybe 20 minutes before my 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 death, before like my departure or whatever. And let's um, you know, hopefully I'll be mm, corpus mentis and able to think and all of those types of things, but um looking back on my life in that moment. I try to picture what are the things that I would value? What are the things that I would go? Oh, that was great. You know, I'm glad I did that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way for me to test myself. And I really don't think as much as I, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but as much as I enjoy, you know, watching, like I have these hobbies, you know, in these days of watching TV series and stuff like that. I really don't think 20 minutes before I'm da- dead, I'm going to go, thank God I watched Breaking Bad. You know, my,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my experience here has been, you know, uh, but obviously it was great and it's brilliant yeah. and enjoyed it. But <laughs> I think it will be, I'll remember the moment where I had with this person or it'll be that, won't it? I think so.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are the real things. Those are the real things. Um, sharing bereavement or grief with somebody, fucking hell, is like
2: mm. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, it's um it's one of the most privileged, beautiful things that you can share with somebody properly. It's terrifying. It's, nobody wants yeah. it.
2: It's yeah.
0: Terrifying. And I it happened recently last year where I shared a bereavement with my girlfriend. And mm. and you're there, going. This is what actually life is about, and and making new memories. Yeah, and uh, I know it's it seems funny to even talk about Corona now. I was at a concert last night and took it took a train to it. No masks, nobody at the concert, and it's rammed and sweaty. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, but COVID made me re reinvestigate what is. I mean I thought I thought I was going to die I thought this was the way the the earth was going to die or the humans mm-hmm. on earth and all this kind of stuff so um what just sp- how you spend your time with the people that you love is, is actually the thing isn't it but it's not yeah. for everybody Jesus there's so many different people out there in the world as well that I don't know I wonder yeah. about people that don't experience others
1: yeah, well, I I guess not not everybody has the same perspective, um, and a, a perspective you can be born with one, it can be given to you, you can learn one, all the rest of it. Um. I I do think, for my life, I would like to have the perspective that I, I'm just going to try and do things that I enjoy, and it's not like it could be over at any moment. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, I, I spoke about this before slightly on the podcast, but I lost my parents when I was younger. Yes. And I think that gave me the experience of um like you can it can just it can be over, you know, yeah. <laughs> not not yeah. sound so so dark about things, but um it, it doesn't go on forever, yeah. Um and like if you're if you're like we all get into stressful situations. I've been in them, like so. I'm technically, I, I am being a hypocrite to a certain extent. Like time goes on and you get lost in a project, or where the little things become stressful again, and you know you don't have that macro perspective of what's important or not. Like I'm, I'm speaking here like I'm I'm some kind of of saint, but it's definitely not the case. But I do think I see some people in life who who sacrifice so much in order for for what i might think as a silly goal um but that's that's what makes them okay. uh, that drives them so yeah. I, I don't judge that but i say that's not for me yeah. and, I, and i don't want to i don't want to do something like that and if it means that i have to give up um you know maybe be being wealthy or whatever it might be then i think i'm happy to make that sacrifice mm-hmm. i think so i mean obviously you have that debate in your head uh, but...
0: yeah and what do you make of uh what do you oh i have so many questions i want to ask you so like <laughs> what do you make of um nowadays that there's what do you make of let's start social media? What do you make of social media and what it's doing to humans, for example? Um, so it's a it's a young thing in our lifetime. It's a new thing. Do you get yeah. asked all the time around?
1: No, not at all. Um, do I? Th- the first thing I think is, to a certain extent, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's just how you use it. Um, I, I do think, and I include myself in this. I, I worry a little bit about our attention spans. Uh, when I worry about my own attention span. It's definitely not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would struggle now to sit down and read a book continuously for an hour. Yeah. Um, I'd probably my mind would be all over the place. Uh, sometimes you can get into it, but it's. I think it's the. It, I you struggle to click into things like you like I used to be able to. Um, you know, maybe when I was younger, I could, okay, I'm focusing on this now for the next hour, but I think everything, you know, and with social media, the changes are so fast and quick, whether it's like, you're looking at a different profile or a different picture or a different video that your, your, your mind goes a little bit, that's the autopilot. It's like looking, looking, looking. Um, so when you tell it to focus the autopilot is still looking, 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 and you're kind of like, stimu- you're looking for that stimulation. So I do worry about that a little bit. I think that we probably need to bring attention to that. Mm-hmm. I also have a feeling, I my thought is that we are a bit like maybe in the fifties, there wasn't that much. Um, knowledge about what different food types could do for you. And people were eating all sorts of unhealthy things like microwave food. And that was, you know, the easy thing to eat and processed food. Whereas now people are a bit more conscious about what they eat and they try not to eat food, etc. Mm. I think people will, in the future will probably have some type of information diet. I think that's going to have to happen where you have some way to regulate what goes in mm.
2: um,
1: because maybe we haven't seen the true repercussions of, of just sitting back and letting Mm. an algorithm decide what goes in. You know, I think that's possibly dangerous, but I think if we can get to a point where we we're consciously choosing what information that we can input, um, then I see it as a, as a purely positive thing, you know?
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: That would be my thoughts on it. I, I, you know,
0: does it come up in your studies? Are you still studying at the moment? Sorry,
1: no, no, not at all. Um, I, I would finished you? back yeah. in twenty fifteen. Would I like to continue to do psychology? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say no. Um, but I would have to study more. Um, like I, I've done a, a base psychology degree, which if it doesn't really qualify you to do anything. Uh, but it gives you just an understanding of the basic concepts. But mm-hmm. if I wanted to go on to be a therapist or something like that, then I'd have to study some more. Um I don't know, possibly in the future. Yeah. Um, I the reason I, I didn't do it when I was younger, I felt like I was too young. Mm-hmm.
0: Um oh, that's very uh, yeah. in tune with yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I kind of pictured myself going to a 25-year-old therapist and I was like, oh um <laughs> Because I think a lot, a lot of it is like, and there are twenty-five-year-old therapists out there, and I'm sure they're, they're fantastic, and they might be able to like. Some people might really want that and need that, but yeah. I think a lot of it's also life experience.
2: Mm.
1: It doesn't really matter what you study. I think life experience is important too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if I were to ask you now, would you think that uh, uh, life has a meaning?
1: Um, do you mean our lives? Yeah. Um, I really don't know on that one. My initial answer will probably be no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I saw a TED talk years ago, um, and I really liked it. Uh, and it was a guy kind of talking about this concept, and he said, um, you know, years and years and millions, and billions of years ago, when the Earth was, you know life the earliest earliest forms of life on on earth was these bacteria or whatever it was um and basically he was he he described this type of bacteria that covered the whole earth um and basically transformed the atmosphere i think there was some kind of photosynthesizing bacteria um, I hardly have this all wrong. If anybody is listening that actually knows what they're talking about, but this is what I remember: this <laughs> yeah. kind of ph- photosynthesizing bacteria, and, and this like entity obviously transformed the environment to have more oxygen in it. So basically, laid the foundations for other life like us to be able to to transpire. Mm-hmm. He said one individual of those bacteria uh, its meaning was absolutely zero like it would not have been able to do anything in and of itself yeah but thousands or millions of years or whatever it was of this uh photosynthesizing bacteria that had a meaning where that it laid the foundations for other forms of life on 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 the earth so yeah yeah. i i don't think my life or our individual lives just in just in the terms of the grand scheme of things i think it can have meaning in terms of the relationships that we have i think i can give great meaning to to a partner or to friends and we can share moments and have joyous moments and support each other and all these types of things that can be meaning but um making big changes or here for a reason to do something. I don't think so.
2: hmm hmm Yeah.
1: What do you think?
0: I'd be the same as you. Um, I think mm. there's a rhyme and reason, but it doesn't mean that we have, that we are the reason for it or, or, or I think we amount to the whole. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the only thing I, the only thing that I believe about the earth is that like, um, it's how you are at that moment and how you treat the earth and other people at the moment kind of really affects a lot more than you think mm. uh, your actions create a, a lot of consequence that goes far beyond what we're aware of
1: yeah um what was the lyric to to one of your songs um the 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 physical um meaning of a word or the power of the oh, yeah. word oh yeah yeah um I liked that because it made me think. Of, because I've always felt that there's great power in words. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, but in, even from a, a, a like the the meaning of a word can can give you an emotion. Like a, I might be able to say a word now, a specific word that would make you feel in a specific way. You know, Um what what was the thought thinking behind that when you were writing that lyric going through your mind?
0: I I was just so disturbed by um I hate to even mention his name, but it was written around the time of Donald Trump when he was at the height of his power. Mm. And he had these sentences like, I have the best words. And <laughs> they're going, Oh God. Yeah. We've regressed to this, like, mm. you know. Um, But at the same time, even him saying that was just showed how simple, um, how simply powerful words are actually are. Um, And uh, I mean, in in terms of growing up as a uh, as an adult, like I'm 40 now and I started working with um late 20 year olds and early 30 year olds and they have a very different approach to communication than i did when i was their age mm.
2: um
0: for example touring when i was when i was their age it was just kind of like Bleh. you know talking about riding people and
2: <laughs> yeah
0: you know how how drunk you are and all this mm. nonsense. um but they're like They're very encouraging to um, have a good conversation and talk about things that are actually difficult. And why would you shirk away from that? And um, I'm actually asking you to pay attention to what I'm saying here. And um, or I would say something from my old touring uh, behavior and they'd be like, "Mm -mm, shut the fuck up. And and I would have to learn very quickly, um, just very different um, use of very different use of powerful wording and the, and the most of the power I found in it was not, was the words that they omitted. Um, you don't have to say everything that's on your mind. Mm. That to me was really, really where it was at. And I had to listen to um Donald Trump inside hatred across mm. the world. He was It was like, It was catching. Do you know what I mean? What's the word? It was, um, when, what's a virus? It's contagious.
2: Mm.
0: His insanity and his simplicity and the words that he uses was totally catching. And he was inciting hate in the most simplistic of words. And I, I just found that kind of terrifying. And it made me want to beautify words again. It made me also want to simplify even more because I'd be fairly much of the school and of well, my style of writing is to is to take very large subjects such as love and kind of try and distill it down to down to one sentence and now I've started to distill things down to one sentence and pair it with the antithesis of that sentence which is pretty lazy but it's helping me at least get any thoughts out of my mind I'm
2: mm.
0: as now I'm a little bit I'm, I'm a little bit scared of what I think now because I'm having to think beyond um the near future, because I don't. If I follow the trajectory of what's happening in the world, in the environment and pol- politically and socially, and I'm kind of like worried that we don't have much time left. And I kind of can't start thinking like that, but I can't help but think like that as well.
1: So Yeah. Um... Uh, do you think thinking thinking like that is a reaction to what you see versus who you truly are?
0: Oh wow! <laughs> um, well, who who I am is like I've made myself fairly small in my world uh, over the last ten years. I'd say I don't find my place on this earth. Has much meaning anymore. It's just kind of about the whole. I'm. I, I've stepped into my responsibility as an adult, which I think is for other people. That's not for mm. myself really. So that's mm. where I'm going in this world. So, um, I, yeah. To answer your question, it's not. It's not about. It's not about how I see it or what I can do. I'm just. My intention is to make. My world as comfortable for others that i love as possible mm. which is kind of the only intention that i float right now but i maybe i'm stuck in a rut maybe it's maybe i have to break out and break into a whole other artistic world or something or way of thinking but that's as far as i can go right now it's fairly fairly insular to be honest mm.
1: do you miss the chaotic touring days of of, of 10 years ago
0: no, I'm I'm still touring so hard. Um, but I don't miss um I kind of ran away from stuff like um there was a point in my life where uh 10 years ago where it was people would be following you down the street to know, find out where you live, and um letters would be sent to my parents' house. Um and- mm. Weird fan things. And I yeah. I kind of ran away from that because I really dislike how people act around anyone in a position of power or something like that. Yeah. And I don't, it really turns, it, yeah, it's, it, I can't fucking stand it. Mm. Um, so... I made myself a lot smaller that way. Um, I used to incite um, like really exciting audience participation and stuff like that. And over time, I kind of didn't want to do that because people started wanting more of you and expecting that or feeling like they owned more of you. And that's the backlash of that. Mm. Um, Because when you touch, you know it yourself, when you touch people emotionally with just your, what you say to people, because I imagine that you have very close friends and they really trust what you're saying. And mm. they ask for your advice and you tell them something and and then you either fuck them up or you free their soul. And that's kind of what music does as well. You know,
2: mm.
0: it's like having a conversation, a private conversation with somebody and the repercussions of that is made me more private and Um, more outwardly, introspective about um, others and not just about myself, my own experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, It's it's kind of a protection, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can imagine that feeling like, uh, I don't know if the word is responsibility or um, just very demanding, basically. Um, Or, you know, even... hmm, perhaps stressful, as you say, to be essentially thinking of the needs of, of those people and putting the needs of my quote unquote fans first um, as opposed to maybe your own uh, and then yeah. balancing that.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have um, saved much for myself at all. You know, I'd be out all year touring and then every tour day you're, you're working all day and then yeah. you do your show and you give like as much as you can. And then afterwards you meet people after the show, fans or what have you. Um, and then you're another three hours with this emotional taxation, and then you're like, Well, who the fuck am I actually? And then corona happened, and I was like, Oh, who am I actually? And um mm. so stuff like that, but and also the drinking, the it's such a hedonistic lifestyle that you're the I don't I did lose a lot of time from being out on my boxed you know what I mean yeah because did I do what artists do you know
1: well yeah did, did you did you drink before going on stage or was after being on stage
0: yeah I mean I I drink the whole day I drink the mm. whole day like if I was working which was which is gigging I'd be we'd be like right yay we're on we've stepped onto the van let's drink all right, we've four four hours drive, let's drink for the four hours, and then you get yeah. to continue and drink a fresh pint of Guinness, do you know this kind of thing? Yeah. I can't think of another job that will give you a crate of beer before you've done any work.
2: It's,
1: <laughs> it's
0: so unhealthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, oh one one point, you know. If, if there was no if there's no such thing as a hangover, you'd be like, oh, that sounds great. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. the reality is um, it, it can't be done over a long period of time, I don't think.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is repercussions. I mean, Rolling Stones have done it because they practice high and they live their lives high and all this stuff, but it's it absolutely you see the difference of people that have control over their substance usage or abusage and mm. those that are just getting into it and seeing the the sexiness of being a kind of a, I don't know, a flagrant rock star or whatever. And it's not for everybody. It's really not because you have to be a good communicator and you have to work your arse off. And we're yeah. talking 16 hour days. That's not made for every, everybody. Um, and, you, and if you're going on tour, you have to be able to do that every day for anything up to a month straight, you know. Uh, you have to be able to handle your drink and you have to be able to handle your communication and like it's not made for everybody, really.
1: Did you like that? I can't imagine the levels of burnout. So when you're doing 16 hour days or on tour consistently, like forget about the drinking for a second, even, even without the drink, that is a very very intense. Um, there must have been points where you were asking yourself, like, what the hell am I doing here? Or this is too much. Or that initial love of music. Did you sometimes look like, where is that? I mean, I can't feel that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um the word spirits comes from the spirit that comes upon you when you're drunk it kind of dampens your actual spirit and is some other external mm. form of you that comes in and kind of shits on you um mm. cuz it it makes your mind cloudy and it actually doesn't increase creativity it just it gives you the sense that you are free to do so but it actually doesn't open your mind whatsoever like drinking for example which is yeah. that's what I found. Um, so like, I don't know, Adrian, sorry, I kind of miss, miss, got a bit sidetracked there from your question. I'm...
1: Well, that's okay. But I, the, I guess my, my thought was during those intense days, uh, you probably, I imagine fell out of love a little bit with, with, with music.
0: Yeah, there would have been point where I was like, right, this well is dry. I'm I have. I don't have anything anywhere mm. to go. And that's I, I feel I felt like I had um at that point said anything that I thought I knew as a whatever 30, 35, 36 year old woman. And then um and then I started to foresee giving up uh really unhealthy habits in my life such as like being as selfish as I am in a relationship or trying to be a better communicator to my family and my partner and um trying to be more responsible adult. There it comes up. And that's that's kind of what happens. You get older and you realize that you're the person that has to show up for things mm-hmm. to be done for your community. Do you know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. pretend that you can't. Uh, my friend said it last night. You can't pretend you can't not buy your auntie the card anymore because you're the pre- you're You used to receive the cards off the people and now you're the one that has to give them this kind of, you know, you have to look out for your, those around you. And I couldn't do that when I was drinking because I'd just be out every night. And I'm talking for years, I would not have hit the ground. I would not know where I was, who I was, when I was. And the only way that I subconsciously was able to keep track of myself was through hair, which is such an unusual but it was a really obvious thing that I could look at myself and be like, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was when I was in that. Yeah, okay, I was really underweight that time. Okay, yeah, I was shaving my head at the side. I was trying to begin to come out properly and Mm. dreadlocks. I was in my Celtic, uh, you know, nomad stage traveling around the world for the first time and stuff like this and carrying. and it, my time was always identified by the measurement of how my hair was and how it looked, because um, I don't feel like I have an identity. I feel like I'm just this floating, learning blob. But um, my hair seems to tell the only story about where I'm at.
1: So that's that's I like that though. <laughs> um, it's it's a nice way to. I, um, pinpoint or highlight certain aspects of, of your life um, at least you have that if it wasn't for the hair you might be lost <laughs> <laughs> find
0: me in a crowd anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, what
0: about, how, how do you mark time? say that again how do you mark time? would you be a, a timekeeper or
1: not really um, to be perfectly honest um I I try not to think about it too much
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um I still feel like it's it's weird getting a little bit older like I'm 34 now and sometimes I'll be you know I could be in a bar and it, it'll, it'll be a while before I realize I I could be 10 years older than everybody else in the bar, you know, that kind of way where I've, I'm wearing different style clothes and stuff. But in my head, I'm one of them. Still, so I'm like bopping yeah. away. Um, this sounds really weird. This sounds like I go to bars full of younger people. It, it doesn't. It's just the, the, I'm trying to say the odd time when you might be in a bar and it, someone might go, oh, I was like, oh, geez, there's a really young crowd here. I was like, oh yeah, I guess. So either that means I have a, a bit of a young spirit, I don't know, but my hair is getting gray um, all of these like physical signs of it but I I personally don't feel any different yeah and and I guess that's the weird thing about about growing up because remember when you're younger you're like 18 19 and there's like older people in the bar you're like what are they doing here like freaks Um, (laughs) yeah but probably in their head they're like you know it's the same I don't know it's it's weird anyway um I don't really have any kind of ways of marking time I, I guess, but perhaps location. Right. Um I looking back I would go, oh, I was there, I was in Spain then or in you know Australia then or whatever. Yeah, location maybe is a is a way of, of marking time for me. Um how did you end up in, in, in Germany?
0: I ended up here because I was studying in Ballyform at Rock School and That college met up with a college in Germany. Um, This college in Mannheim called the Pop Academy reached out to Dublin. And I think it was eight other colleges, Hungary, England, um, France, uh, Belgium, Holland, um, Germany. I think that was it. And um, just did this big workshop of all of these colleges together to see what would happen. And it threw... 120 musicians and 120 business people into one monastery up a fucking hill in a in a mountain with no the nearest villages ages away. And it just they just threw us all up into this space as a kind of a an a European experiment to see how young adults, like we were all 20, um, how they what they think of music now or what they do musically now. And they had us musicians play a game with the business people um, that we were living for one week in an entire life of our career. So um, they oh. had to sign us in the first day and take us on tour. There was all these very interesting things. But for us as musicians, we were just like jamming all day, every day. And then you had a concert at the end. Um, and so I loved this. This That changed my life. Um, and I met... Um my manager there. He was one of the business people. And uh when I first met him, he was an absolute pup. He was walking around with a lollipop in his mouth, kind of smirking at everybody. <laughs> and I was like, Who's this fucking guy? And um but then I met him and he was an he's an absolute gentleman, um, uh, with a really interesting way of see in life. He loves people. Um he loves helping people and he likes making um decisions. He just he'll go and he'll say, I, I don't know if it's if we can do it or let's just do it. And we were both he was 25, I was 21, and I just really liked the his jib and I was like, oh, I'll check this guy out for a couple of months. So I moved mm-hmm. to Manhattan, And um I never ever looked back. I knew in my gut that he was a cool guy. And um So then it just eventually, we all, I moved over to Mannheim. I got a scholarship to study there for six months, and then we got a a record deal. So we all moved to London where the record deal was. And um, we were eight people living in one house. Wow. And Management, living in a house in London, in Brixton, and uh, never looked back, had the time of our lives, didn't know what we were doing. And um, Hmm. we were landed into this extreme crazy business music business world which just made my insides turn outside and
2: <laughs> yeah
0: I learned a lot very quickly and um, really respect those people that work in the in the record company still because they were fucking cool people but um it's, it wasn't for me and mm. then we set up our own um well we took our own record company and and um publishing company serious then. And we started to release under our own name and license to other people. And that's when it really started to come together, when we decided to go independent and make our own mistakes and push ourselves and, and kind of see what we were capable of. Um, But it was afforded to us genuinely because we got this big record deal and it was the tail end of um the good times when there was still... Uh, cash flow being made and we saved mm. and we invested and um, we were very, very uncool at the time because people were like, you know, doing very cool things like buying great gear or going on fancy holidays or stuff like this. And we were investing, reinvesting in this project all the time. Brilliant. And that's because of management.
2: Mm. And it
0: was, I was young, I was young and I just remember... Peter is saying, telling me all about his mom, and his mom says to him, "It doesn't matter how successful you are. How are you to your people? Are you good to your people?" And mm. I remember him telling me that, and I was like, "This, this is the guy for me." And yeah. mentioned his mom in a sentence, and then gives tells me that's what his kind of way of dealing with life is.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, that's great.
1: Does he still walk around with a lollipop in his mouth?
0: I, no, I must give him a fucking life. That's gas. No, he's always a fag in his mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably why he had the lollipop because he because he wasn't allowed to smoke, and it was full of days. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's gas
2: mark. At, at what
1: at what point did um, the the self publishing record label come about? Can you remember times or or do we have to think back to a specific hairstyle or or whatever it might have been?
0: Well, actually it was the it was the very first thing I did. Um so it was kind of a holding place. Um we released uh Branches Untangled my very first EP. Um we released on our own publishing and record label Bird Records Bird Songs. And um and it was just then and then Island Records came in and they were like, well, you know, we're going to buy the masters of it. And we were like, OK, well, you're only buying it for one record for seven years and that's it. Mm. Um, so it's really clever, um, really clever choices. Like Peter says, we're not jumping into we're not jumping into bed. We're not jumping into a marriage with anybody for five albums. That is your entire career, Wallace. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. That's that's it. I never heard of that. And he was like, no, we'll just give them one chance and see how they get on. And mm. if it works, then we'll stick with them. And if not, then, you know, and, Brilliant. Um, and then that, that's after the, so after the first album, Iowa Island Records, then that didn't work out for either of us. Neither of us wanted to work together anymore. And mm. um, and then we just went our own way and began to license for one album to other record labels and stuff like that. So, and so goes the story, seven, um, eight albums now I'm working on. So it's just mad. Right. Time passes. Yeah. Sure, yeah. what else are you gonna
1: be doing? What else would you be doing with your time? Yeah. Um, what is the I mean you released an album last year. Um what is it? Was that an album that was created during the pandemic times? Was that before? Like, how long does it actually take to, to fully compose an album? I mean, the album itself is the the songs it's it's really nice they they fly into each other yeah um, yeah how long does it take to put something like that together?
0: Um, that album was put together in fifty two weeks, start to finish, written, um, written, recorded, mastered, finished, uh, du- and um, printed in fifty two weeks. It was it was mad. I've never had anything like that. Most times you're writing songs for years and then they don't make it on that album and maybe particles of it make it to other pieces. And you're just kind of, uh, what's the word? You're putting together a puzzle of your your work sometimes. But with this one, I actually didn't have any ideas and I arrived. I didn't want to record on my own. I didn't want to record in the way that I had been doing and I just needed to change. So um, Peter, my manager said, look, we'll send you off with this guy from this band called Hundreds. and." I think he'd make a really good team. So I arrived to his house with like a song, basically sang into my phone, like like you you. I don't even know how I even showed it to him. It was just <laughs> the it was like one of those voice memos you leave yourself in a dream when you wake up to <laughs> something, and it's just like ah, on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, and um he sat down and he took this terrible idea and he put something really beautiful keyboards on it, this very atmospheric keyboard. and it touched me in such a way, in such a deep way that I I wrote 18 songs the week after the first week. I spent a month, Whoa. I just locked myself in my in my house in my studio and wrote 18 songs in a month. And then I continued, wow. and over the process of the whole album, I was writing, writing nonstop. I I wrote nearly forty songs, which was like, it was just an outpouring. It was an it was something waiting. Mm. Uh, still, it's the best process I ever had because I really sat back in the process and I got a masterclass of a really incredible producer. And um, yeah, of course, I was heavily involved in it. Of course, I was there for every single minute of it. But um, in general, I think the big thing was for that was not uh, holding control over it, handing it over, as I like to call it as well.
1: Yeah, it
2: was yeah. really yeah. Yeah,
1: I guess if you're creating something, it's just it. It's that moment, isn't it? It's so tough to hand it over to somebody else. It's your creation, but then for it to become something else, I guess it's something you have to do.
0: Yeah, it shows you yeah. so much about yourself when you. Uh, mm. Also, like I'm I'm with the team now that I'm working with. So we're heading on 20 years now and Brilliant. It, yeah. So when they say something to me now, I know that it's in my best interest and then I know they know me and mm. I know they predict uh, something for me. And so I really like seeing I really like going, OK, so you do the set list for that album then or you tell me where this song could be benefit from something or or I mean, I take their direction now more than ever because somebody's looking, they want the best for you. And that mm. was a really nice thing to see. It was like, OK, I can actually sit back and just. um See what's going to happen next and not be like, oh, I didn't do that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> in my whole career, I wanted
2: to
1: share
0: yeah. my whole career like so, yeah.
1: The then, the eight, the 18 songs that happened in a month um, are, are, Do you write on a whim kind of thing or like go with a, a momentum, a, a creative flow? Or are you the type of person where you're like, I sit down at this time every day and whatever comes out of me, comes out of me.
0: Yeah. So both of them. Um, When I'm on, when I'm on a journey, I don't move from my spot. I'll wear the same pajamas for days. You know, I'll get out of the bed and... And I just become a gremlin and you won't see mm. me. And all I'm doing is making noise and utterances and writing and and sweating. And like, I, I won't even care if I if I look out a window. I I just it's just there in the now. And you kind of go into some kind of a coma. I mean, if somebody came into me, I would be present, but not there. Um, And you just write and do whatever is close to hand. And I open up everything all my instruments open and so that I can just move around and and decide upon what next hits me and then I begin to chip away at those ideas or and that would be like a really very creative um, burst but generally I kind of do that thing where I keep myself open to all opportunities of ideas to go straight through me so um funnily enough it often happens when I'm on the when I'm shopping or when I'm cleaning.
1: All right, yeah.
0: Stuff that just comes by nature where I don't have to think, and that's when my mind is free to to go for it in a really banal environment. It's always really it's, nice.
1: It's so weird how that happens, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you hear people... I how do you understand? I it's again, it's it's the power of, of the unconscious. It's being able, it's such a weird thing. You often hear people saying it's like, oh, if you're looking for the answer to something, you know, don't don't look for it. Write it down, write down the question, and then just head off, go off and do your things, and the answer will come to you. And sometimes I find that type of thing very frustrating. It's like, what do you mean the answer will come to you? Like, you have to think this out. Um, and sometimes obviously you do, but I think with with something creative, maybe what you said, you spoke about earlier on when you were you know you're giving these workshops, it's you have to learn to trust something else. Yeah. Like there's lots of different names for it. Amuse, trust yourself, trust the unconscious, trust the process, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that is is like scary as fuck, to be perfectly honest, especially if it's your career.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for you getting into the stride of this podcast, when did mm. you find that you got into your stride and what was it that that made you go, OK, I got this now this like.
1: Oh, I I definitely don't have this.
2: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> ah, you do. I,
1: I, I don't. I really don't. And it, for me, it's it's a it's a work in progress and will always be. Um. But what, what this represents to me is, is a, a con, con, kind of a combination of what we've spoken about um already. um I have had days where I come home from like my, my job and I have to do a podcast and I would genuinely be exhausted and, and doubting it's like, Whoa, I don't know if I can do this. But then I do it and all of a sudden I'd be bouncing around the place. And was, it was weird how this conversation with a person gave me so much energy and and so I now I do not take that for granted. I know that there's something special there that I have to look after. Um I just have to hope that to the universe that it, it'll kind of hopefully come back for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I, I I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction from it. Um and the other thing is um I think if you're gonna do anything <laughs> that has no you have to be able to do it for the like i'm losing my words a little bit but you have to be able to do it with the possibility of not getting anything back
2: yeah
1: yeah so yeah um then you're gonna ask yourself the question do you fucking like it enough for that to happen and if the answer is yes then you, you you keep going and you keep doing it and any, whether it's a creative process, whether you're a musician, whether you're a writer, whether you're setting up your own business, because if you're starting a business, let's say you're selling, I don't know, cups, you know, you're going to have a time where nobody knows about your cups. Why should I buy your cup and not their cup, etc. You have to have, you're going to be asked this question. How much do I like making these cups? Because it seems like nobody wants to buy them. But if you really like them, you really like the process of making it, and I think that's it for me. It's like I enjoy and I love this process mm-hmm. of, of this. Um, I really enjoy this conversation. Um, and that I think you have to be able to ask yourself that question. And if it comes back that you enjoy the process enough, yeah, then every time that you're tired and you ask the same question, you, you will have the answers like, well, no, I actually really love this. So for me, it's it's not that I found out that I'm good at this, it's actually just because I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the stride then, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yes, that's so. the, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Without you're much so attention for any o- other people.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're so relaxed in it though. Like you really yeah, you've you're very at ease. You make me feel at ease. Mm. you've got a lovely way about doing this. So it's like okay, thank you. Here's a dude that's done like fucking seventy podcasts. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Long may continue. Um, I I don't like I said I don't actually plan on giving this up at any point. So it's not like I'm going to get to 150. I I will hopefully just keep keep on doing this for as long as I can, Um, for as long as I get those that feeling from it.
0: Yeah, Um, you just have interest in talking to people like. What's kind of of the most, um, one of your favorite ones that you've ever had, favorite conversations you've ever had?
1: Um, I've, I've had so many, um, and I think within every single conversation, there is a moment of, there's like, there's like a chorus within every, within every conversation. There is a, there's a beautiful crescendo within every conversation. Um for me personally, I don't know if other people like, I don't think other people would listen. Even when I'm listening to another podcast, I might not go, oh, that's a, But when you're in it, when you're experiencing it. So I wouldn't say that there's any particular one conversation. There has been lots of moments within each conversation that I've really enjoyed because mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of people who've moved to Ireland, for example, about their experiences here. And that's been um, humbling and, and very nice to do um musicians hearing about that experience that they have and also I have the joy of how open people are to to share their stories and um that's been been really really nice
0: what do you make of people that don't share a lot in an interview
1: um. Well, that's that would be my responsibility to just talk a load of bollocks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's my cue. (laughs) A load of bollocks. Okay. And
1: my favorite (laughs) Um, I I haven't read. There's not necessarily any. You have to find a way to. You can see it in somebody's eyes. I think. Yeah. (laughs) When when the door opens up. And I might have had some conversations where the um, it's taken me a while to oh op- to find a way to to open a person up a little bit, yeah. Um, like we we get obviously we're a little bit the the podcast is is obviously bigger than it was when it started. It started like last August, you know. We we get a few thousand people listening uh, per month, which is amazing. Yeah. And what I find is um, now. Maybe some people are a little bit more nervous about doing it, so I think that's something that I'll have to work on to a certain yeah. extent, like yeah. because you don't want anybody to to be nervous and it is just a, a chat. Um, Like, I, I do think that the podcast is maybe half an interview, half just a chat Um, mm-hmm. and that is, uh, anybody can do that, you know, you don't have to So Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but, uh,
2: yeah, I, I
0: like, I've been doing quite a few interviews in my life and I love interviews. I love the feeling of it, uh, mm. so different, but you can yeah. make, like the difference between somebody who makes you feel at ease or somebody who's just a good interviewer actually has an interest is like enormous and to mm. you're on the right side
1: <laughs> oh, thank you
2: that means a lot
1: yeah no no that means a lot that means a yeah. lot thank you yeah. thank you so much um i'm also conscious of you, of your time um and i don't want to i don't want to take too much of it um it's probably it's... pretty
0: boring for others right now. But like when I start talking about my favorite color being blue and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's not that. I, I mean, I, I absolutely love the conversation. I feel like we could talk a lot more. I haven't really spoken much about things like Ireland and, you know. Yeah. Well, all of that not sort even of stuff. I'm from
0: but, Ireland. <laughs> yeah,
1: well. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe we can we can do um, If you're ever back in in Dublin, actually, it would be amazing to do a a one chat in in person at some stage, maybe down the line. Um, When or is there anything important that we should be paying attention to? Any upcoming gigs or releases or um, new pets?
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I have my court case, my murder court case coming up soon. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, no, to be honest which you, it's, uh, I couldn't even tell you what I'm doing, but I am yeah. all over the internet because I enjoy actually sharing it because I'm in Egypt, but uh,
1: there. It's uh, very enjoyable. Okay. I love the little funny videos you share um, and also, like you said, some of the darker stuff too, some of the real stuff, it's, uh, it's interesting.
0: Asher here. What else to you be doing, Mark?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Wallace, thank you so much for your time. Really, really no appreciate really. it.
2: Thank you very much.